there's a saying that's made its way around the internet and no one's really sure who said it, but it goes something like this. It's saying, and they were thought to be mad who were dancing by those who could not hear the music. <laughs> that reminds us of Krishna consciousness. Yani sha sarvabhutanam. Ami ek botul tumi dvitiya. I'm crazy the first, you're crazy the second. Mahaprabhu to Ramananda. So when you say madness, what's madness to in the world? Krishna consciousness is like madness to people. But for those who are Krishna conscious, the people of this world, they think they're mad. Who can I tell? Who would believe me? Vikriditam Brajabhaduridam Jabishnu Sridhan Vito Anushranaya Dattabarna Yedya. Very interesting, Krishna consciousness. You cannot capture it with your intellect. Only faith, like the Life of Pi movie, where the man says, I'm going to tell you a story that will make you believe in God. Then he tells this for the sake of this conversation, an inconceivable story. He tells this to Japanese insurance agents and saying, that's unbelievable. You'll never get any money for that. Because what if I tell you a story that's believable? Yes. Then he tells believable story. And they say, oh, we could give something for that. But then the man says, but of the two stories I told you, which do you prefer? And they go, we prefer the unbelievable one. That's what, what he meant. The story of God is inconceivable. The story of science, rational, appears to be believable to the so-called rational mind. But the story of God is inconceivable. Of the two, we prefer the inconceivable story of God to the so-called rational narrative of secular humanist and atheistic science. We could say, in this world... We might hear stories, love stories, and that awakens some sympathy or empathy in our hearts by hearing that. But it's just a mundane love story. Here's another type of story that has similar elements, but if you can manage to express some appreciation for this, then it's taking you into another plane, right? It's reality as opposed to just hearing something that's a reflection of that. Krishna Leela is cast and scripted by Yogamaya and Baladev to create this sort of emotional intensity. And we're talking about divine emotions. Leela means play. And if we just think, oh, play, then we don't have to take it seriously. No, we see in this world, in a play, movie, acting, if when they're really good, and we'll say this as viewers, you forget this world and you enter that world and you believe everything you're seeing. It's intense. It's more intense than real life. Like when in suspense, someone's walking upstairs and they're going to open this door. It can be, you know, you're shaking. It's and anticipation, right? So this play story, the visuals you're seeing and the accompanying audio is putting you 
in a sort of, you know, deep emotional state, and that's with mundane things. So the Krishna Leela is having that effect upon whom? The soul. Penetrating the layers of acquired prejudice and acquired tendency, awakening the soul plane. That's who resonates with Krishna Leela. That's why we were telling you, we like the children to hear like Kaliya Leela and uh, like as a story. I, to this day, is one of my favorite pastimes to hear, but it's equally relishable by children and many other things. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, incidentally, the safe pastimes are Krishna's childhood pastimes and the pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That in this world, the most valuable treasures get the association of devotees. And what do they, we get in their association? They tell us about Krishna. But Sanatana Goswami is saying, Avaishnava mukod girnam putam harikatamritam sravanam naiva kartavyam. But don't hear about Krishna from someone who's not actually Vaishnav. And what will be the effect? It says, Sarpo uchista, Sarpo chistam yatapayo. In Vedic understanding, that feeding a snake, a cobra, milk will increase its venom. The milk becomes poisonous. It's converted into poison. It's milk, but given to a cobra, it's converted into poison. It's that nectarine substance, should be, that you should hear about, the remember, chant, sravanam kirtanam, Krishna. But not from a non-devotee, a non-Vaishnava, someone who's not initiated into Krishna conception by a substantial agent. It will have the opposite effect. It'll be poison. What is supposed to be life-saving, life-giving nectar is rendered poison. So Putana comes to nurse, ostensibly to nurse, right? So Bhaktivinoda Thakur is saying in parallel, this false guru is there apparently to nurse the infant Krishna conception of the aspiring servitor, but is really poisoning, as we've seen in those who uh, try to give rasa shiksha to the unqualified. So Saraswati Thakur wrote the Prakrita Rasa Shatadushini, pointing out their disqualification that an actual rasic guru will never give rasa shiksha to someone who doesn't have the adhikar or capacity, eligibility to relish that. It's not only inappropriate, it's illegal, it's condemnable. It disqualifies one from being a bona fide member of the Rupanuga line. 100 flaws he's given there. As Gurumar has pointed out, there are thousands of flaws, but he picked out 100 prominent. We're not interested in counterfeit substance. It's not only valueless, it's illegal and punishable. So spiritual substance only comes when Krishna is distributing, 
That's the only way you can get it. If Krishna's will is not there in the background to distribute himself, then you won't get it, he'll think. You'll be deceived. When Babaji Maharaj Gorkishore told, after the man recited the Bhagavatam, get some cow dung and cow urine and cleanse this place. And everyone's saying, well, where the Bhagavatam is spoken? The speaker is purified, the hearer, the inquirer, the audience, the very place in which the recitation takes place. Why is Babaji Maharaj when cow dung in here? That's when, you, when something's really been polluted, the only way to. Saying, you heard Bhagavatam, all I heard was money, money, money. No ulterior motive, no ulterior purpose, like putana, ulterior motive, ulterior purpose, in the name of nectar distribution. So the shatpatai, the honeybee, like devotees of the Lord, mentioned there on the concluding section of Prapanajivanamritam, they're relishing, and Guru says, but in the madness of their relishing the topics of Krishna, some drops of the honey are falling. And I'm collecting those. And, and what I collected, that nectar there, that fell from them, I'm presenting that to you. Gurudev liked this sloka very much. If what's coming to us is not what's been relished by Guru and Vaishnav, our guru, our Vaishnava, then why will you try and approach that substance? Because it's on the internet? Because some devotee, someone wrote a book? There. If it doesn't come to us through the agency of guru, pranamamita charanantika paricharaka sahitam, guru and guru's surrogate, delegate, we're not interested in that. Why? Because it's something else. We're interested in what's been relished by, we take prasadam, what has been relished, then they bring that to us. Now it has some taste because it's been relished. Right? Krishna, in the beginning, Radharani eats Krishna's remnants. Like the song we sing every day. What is the line about? Danishta, Peye, says that she brings the. Krishna's remnants to Radharani. Remember, Radharani is cooking. She has a benediction from Durvasa Muni that whatever she cooks will taste as sweet as nectar. So this allows, in the pastimes, and the way that Vrindavan operates, for Mother Yashoda to enlist Radharani in cooking for Krishna. Like, there's no question. She has this benediction, everyone knows that she's a really good cook, maybe the best cook of all time. <laughs> I don't know who's a better cook, Yashoda or Radharani. Guru Maharaj will say, the same thing can be cooked by a friend for a friend, by a mother for a child, by a wife for a husband, or a paramour for her lover, and it will taste differently. When I went to take full shelter of the lotus feet of Srila Guru Maharaj. At that time, there were many societal concerns making my head spin in the realm of argument and counter-argument over seemingly important things. 
But Saraswati Thakur says, at the lotus feet of Sri Guru, we do not become aware of the defects of others, but aware of our own. My religion is finding fault with myself, Srila Gurudev said. Saraswati Thakur, same something. He said, at the, when you're situated at the lotus feet of Sri Guru, you do not become aware of the deficiencies or the defects of others, but rather your own shortcomings. He said, it is only that I am honeycombed with defects that I take the task finding fault with Vaishnavas. So when we went to the lotus feet of Srila Guru Maharaj, I recall one time in particular, he was very happy and chanting a sloka of Narahari Sakar Thakur that begins with the line, Gopi nam kuchukum kumena nichitam basakimasyaranam. He is, as Guru Maharaj said, a peculiar devotee. His expressions are not standard. Some of the things he's expressed, people have taken and imposed their own misconception upon the upper world, upon Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu has come to experience bhaktabhav, svabhaktebhya sudham nijabhajana mudra mupadisham, and the highest type of bhaktabhav, radha bhava duti subalita. He's not come as an enjoyer, a predominator like Krishna. But Narhari Sakur, Thakur is a very peculiar devotee. And he says to Mahaprabhu in the sloka, I don't recognize your sannyas. <laughs> what? I don't recognize your sannyas. I know who you are. He's chana, covered, but he said, I, I know who you are underneath. You're Krishna, Lumpat Guru. You're the guru of the womanizers, the ultimate womanizer. That Krishna of Vrindavan, who is famous as a Lumpat, a womanizer, he's taken sannyas. This is some kind of a joke. Krishna's taken sannyas. <laughs> like when Durvasa, that story about Brajagopis crossing the Jamuna, the only way they can cross Krishna, it says, tell, tell Jamuna, I am a brahmachari. Krishna's a perfect brahmachari. They go, because the, the currents go up and down and they approach and say, Krishna is the perfect brahmacharya. The waters part, they go through on the other side. Feed Durvasamuni, a huge feast, inconceivably huge feast. And when they have to return, what does he tell them? You tell them that Durvasa Upabashi, Durvasa, he's fasting. We just fed you a huge feast. You just say Durvasa Upabashi. If Krishna is a brahmachari, then Durvasa Upabashi. They say, Durvasha Upabhashi, waters part and go. So what is uh, Brahmacharya, what is that? That is, in that plane, another consideration. Krishna, when he steals the clothes of the Brajagopis, he said, actually, from a distance, I saw these trees with all these different colorful fruits. And when I got here, I saw their ladies' uh, garments. 
how did, what happened? And they're sitting in the water. What do you mean? What, how, you? He said, maybe some forest nymphs or something. No, you took our... Friends said, I could tell you, I never touch anyone else's property. Not that kind of person. <laughs> and he has these little toddler children with him who can't even speak. He goes, you can ask them. And they're all like, Krishna. <laughs> you can see, they will vouch for what I'm saying, that it's true. They're just following Krishna because he's so irresistibly charming and attractive. And of course, Krishna is right. Bhogtaram yagya tapasam sarva lokamaheshwaram ahangi sarva yagyanam bhogtacha prabhurevacha. In one sense, it is impossible for him to transgress. He owns everything and everyone, including us. So Narahari, you, Krishna has become a sannyasi. This, is any, can anybody believe that? And they said, well, but look, his saffron cloth. And he says, I know how you dyed your cloth with the kumkum from the breast of the Brajagopis. That's how you got saffron cloth. And when Guru Maharaj would tell this, he would just be laughing and slapping his knee and his chair and just glowing and radiant. He thought it was very humorous. Gopinam kuchukum kumena nichitam basa kim yasyaranam. His vasa, his, what he's wearing, like Bahirvash dress, Arun means like the sun, saffron. Kuchukum kumena, the kumkum from the breast of the Brajagopis of Daida's cloth saffron. <laughs> who can say that? Narahari Sakar Thakur. He's the only person who can say that. Then others, on the basis of some peculiar statements, like they've tried to establish a false doctrine, a false theory called Goranga Nagarivad, where they put Mahaprabhu in the position of an enjoyer like Krishna. So in Chaitanya Mangal, it says that uh, ladies of Navadip expressed erotic sentiments towards Nimai Pandit and Gurumar's saying one sentence, yes, and he never reciprocated them. Anyway, that's another subject matter. But we can see how fine it is. Here's the pure devotee expressing these peculiarly sweet, eccentric statements, and then others abusing that, imposing their own misconception. And that's a crime against divinity for the lower to impose something upon the higher. In its lower stages, karma kanda, and the higher stages, just rasa bas, prakrita, rasa sahajiasam. So we have to be careful and not impose our lower conception upon the higher. We want the inverse, that the higher may consent to make an impression upon our hearts. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, that false guru, that has to be overcome by the devotee. Others will come with the help of guru, this, not the other, but that they have to deal with. Guru Maharaj says, armed with sincerity, 
The sincere will be victorious. Sincerity is invincible. If I do not cheat me, no one can cheat me. Healthy means hungry. So every day, hunger reappears, doesn't it? Unless we're ill. It's not to say, we may say that, something like, that was the meal to end all meals. Yeah, and I guarantee you tomorrow you'll be hungry. You know, it's just a matter, it's a level of praise. It's a magnitude of praise. To, you know, to say, this tastes, so, if you haven't ever eaten this, it tastes so wonderful, you've never eaten. It's not true. It's a way of speaking. So, hunger is an indication of health in the physical sense. And if we're going to follow that conceit, what, what shall we say? Is that in addressing our hunger, we ingest something that is vital. And here I remember from my days in Germany, I like, they have the word Essen for um, food. And I thought, oh, like essential, you know, Essen. So you take in what is essential, then you extract from that what is vital, what promotes vitality, and then you eliminate. So Guru Maharaj stated this in a principle, progress means elimination and a new acceptance. It's the same thing. Sometimes certain things have to be eliminated and new things accepted. Uh, there's not just one final thing. It's a dynamic process, constant elimination and a new acceptance. One of the indicators that we have a you know, vibrant, vital, alive Krishna conception is that if by the grace of our Guru Varga, some glimpse comes to us, it will be fresh and new. We might, sometimes we, we read a pastime of Krishna, and maybe we have some appreciation by their grace for that. Say, and you read it a year ago or three years ago. And then you might think, oh, I would like to read that again. I remember the last time when I heard that, read that approach, that how beautiful and wonderful it was. But then you read it again, and it's different. It's beautiful, but it's somehow different than it was that other time. And that happens again and again and again. So in these descriptions, they're not ordinary descriptions. That's why whenever we repeat them, we should try to do so with greatest accuracy, or if Krishna's pastimes are being told to children, they should be accurate. We shouldn't make things up. They should accurately follow the story. Because here's a child that offering themselves to hear these things, they need to get it right so that when they'll get the maximum benefit for it because they're perfectly constructed. And in the future, when they recall hearing these things in their childhood, they may have a tendency to reproduce them accurately. So, and Bhaktivinoda Thakur placing emphasis on the, the pastimes of Krishna, the childhood pastimes of Krishna and Srimad Bhagavatam and the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, 
In one sense, the whole idea is total immersion. And we have a glimpse of that when we hear from the higher devotees. And interestingly, even the same pastimes can be described accurately by great devotees, but still have a different taste and quality to the rendering. As we find in the beginning of the Brihad Bhagavatamritam, Maharaj Janame Joy is speaking with Jaimini Rishi. And he just finished a Mahabharata recitation. And Janame Joy said, I heard this previously from Bishampayana Rishi, this story, the Mahabharata, divine story. He's saying, but essentially you've told the same things, but the way you've told it, it has a particular madura sweetness quality to it. And your recitation has awakened in me a desire for more of this madura sweetness. And it's in response to that that Jaimini Rishi begins telling the Brihad Bhagavatamritam. So it shows it's not really the transfer of information or story. Oh, I heard that story. But how it is told, the way Vrindavanas Thakur is telling some pastimes and similar pastimes being told by Kaviraj Goswami out of fear of committing the Marjada Bhyatikram, impertinently surpassing predecessor, Kaviraj Goswami would say, what, Vrindavanas is described? It would be an opera to describe the same thing, but if there's some aspect that was not described, I'll describe that. He says that humbly, but we know from Srila Guru Maharaj, Vrindavan Nas Thakur, and we worship Chaitanya Bhagwat, is from the perspective of a cowherd boy, Sakya Rasa. Chaitanya Charitamritam is an exclusively Madhura Rasa literature. It's like in my first actual meeting with Srila Guru Maharaj, where Krishna Das Babaji Maharaj took myself and Bhakti Abhai Narayan Maharaj up to the lotus feet of Guru Maharaj. At one point, Bhakti Abhai Narayan Maharaj said to him, he said, I find I'm more attracted to Chaitanya Charitamritam than Srimad Bhagavatam. You know, like a bold statement. But Guru Maharaj just responded very matter-of-factly saying, of course, he said, because Srimad Bhagavatam presents rasa, takes us from the plane of ontology to rasa, but in gradual development, culminating in madura rasa in the 10th canto. And whereas Chaitanya Charitamritam is an exclusively madura rasa literature. So naturally, that is your preference. And I was saying, it is? (laughs) (laughs) As Guru Maharaj said, and with this, Maxim, as connotation increases, denotation decreases. So if we say, well, there's Bhagavad Gita, we should all study the Bhagavad Gita. North, south, east, and west, everyone will agree. The Vaishnavas, the Mayavadis, the Western scholars, movie makers, everyone, yes, Bhagavad Gita. But if we increase the connotation of what is meant by Bhagavad Gita, the denotation will become, will narrow in one sense, become more refined. So if we say, well, really, Bhagavad Gita has to be understood in terms of, in the light of the Bhagavat, Srimad Bhagavatam, then you're left with really Vaishnavas, Sri Vaishnavas, Madhvas, Gaudiyas, etc. 
But if we take it further and say, yes, and that needs, that Bhagavatam, where some key verses that are at play in these pastimes, that needs to be understood in the light of the pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then you're left with Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Gyan, in its ordinary sense, knowledge, Vigyan, Prabhupada, sometimes rendered as realized knowledge or more specific knowledge going towards the divine. But Prakrishtagyan, Pragyan, means of the highest quality. As usual, anything Guru Maharaj will say, he wants to give the superlative. So what would be the highest type of Gyan, like Gyanadipena Bhashvata? where Krishna is revealing himself in a very specific way to a very specific group. That's always Guru Maharaj's method of observation. And this is another good example because it's all, he likes things that are sequential in the sense of not linear, but higher, deeper, more profound, more substantial in that way. When you have a really big person, and by that I mean like just in the sense of like, you know, the president, a king, a prime minister, that person, we will find, if they speak candidly, they will tell us, they'll say like, you know, I can't find anyone I can be myself with. It's a simple thing. They go, you know why? Well, everyone sees me as the president, the prime minister, the king, the, you know. Very often they're, they're, it's a botheration to them, their position. And people can't stop thinking, I'm with the king, I'm with the president, I'm with the prime minister. So they're always seeing them in terms of their position. In that sense, you can say their majestic aspect. The majestic aspect of divinity on this side of the line, on the eastern side, is Baikunta. But Krishna reveals candidly in the beginning of Charitamrita, he's saying, if Aisvarjagyan means awareness, knowledge of the majestic aspect, if, like if that prevents you from your heart opening and giving that flow that I'm ever eager to taste, I'm disappointed. It may be good for you. Sure, it's good for you. But I'm just letting you know, on my side, there's not much there for me. In the majestic pastimes, and they're beautiful. They're beyond beautiful. But just, you know, as gurus with the Tastavichara, with the bowed head, folded palms, you know. Krishna rides on the shoulders of Garuda. And Garuda's like, how... To have the Lord on your shoulders and your fly, it must, it's an inconceivably wonderful thing. I mean, that's his seva. He has Krishna riding on his shoulders, sometimes Krishna and Rukmini, you know, and many things, or and Satyabhama, others, you know. But uh, that's ecstatic. And that's the way, with the love and affection of Garud has brought the Lord in that way. So he's reciprocating what is coming from the heart of Guru. And it's so beautiful, enchanting, charming. But here in Charitamritam, saying something 
I don't know if you can find it elsewhere. Saint Krishna saying, but when I'm defeated by the devotees, I have a devotee ride on my shoulders. And you don't know how ecstatic that makes me feel. It's like, Volare. You know, Krishna's like, Whoa. he's flying. And he's got a devotee on his, he's saying, that I want. It's a wonderful thing to ride on the shoulders of Garud. But when I have a devotee on my shoulders, I can't convey to you, express to you how happy that makes me. So then he's t ratcheted up a level. And then he goes further and maybe just skips one part and says this verse with the Bartsan, means curse saying that Radharani, maybe Krishna went to the courtyard to the house of another gopi. <laughs> That would require an explanation that's beyond me. But Gurudev could explain it. But, but anyway, because it's all meant to just increase bomb above, to bring out. Krishna wants to get the higher devotees riled to bring out these sweeter, hotter sentiments, to add some chili to the mix. So he says, when my beloved, and he means by that Srimati Radharani, curses me. Sometimes she says what could be seen as like offensive things. He's saying, it's so sweet to my ear that it steals my mind away from the reverential hymns of the Vedas. Now, what are the Veda's saying, you know, Yato Vaimani Bhuta, he's that from which everything has come, by which it is maintained, and what it will enter into ultimately. And they're saying, how great he is, his innumerable incarnations, avatars, he's come to save everyone. He came and, and they're telling so many extraordinary ones and praising him like 108 shikas, flames illuminating Upanishads, illuminating Krishna conception, and, you know, Nikila Shruti Murali Matnama, Ratnamala. Rupa Goswami says, they say the supreme sound is Krishna Nam. And, and it's so beautiful, actually, and liberating to hear and to contemplate. But Krishna says, but when Radharani is cursing me, right, saying, in other words, saying horrible things to me. It's so sweet to my ear. I can't hear those hymns saying how great I am. She's saying how not great you are. <laughs> and he's saying, that I can't resist. These hymns, you know, they're appropriate. But what she says, what comes from her heart, I forget all this other stuff. And that's got me. When uh, Veda Vyas is in dialogue with Devarshi Narada again, having just completed Mahabharata and these other scriptures, Puranas, Vedas, etc., and still feeling despondent, as the word Srila Prabhupada uses, he comes to the conclusion about, of his despondency when he says, Kimba Bhagavata Dharma. Na prayena nirupita priya paramahamsanam tadeva hyachuta priya. 
maybe it's because I didn't clearly describe the glorious position of Achuta Priya. That means ultimately Radharani, the devotee. So this book, the book of Krishna, the Krishna book, the secret to entering in there is to be an aspiring servitor of a devotee, but ultimately of the supreme devotee. Therefore, we have this hierarchy that's descending into this plane as the Rupanuga line. We're trying to adopt gopi vision, right? We want to be under their influence. Gopi bhav means their heart, the deep heart's core of the Braja gopis. They have a particular way of seeing things, we can say, a particular perspective that is astonishing and utterly charming and irresistible. There are so many things to consider when it comes to Veda, Vedic understanding, right? The Shrutis themselves, the original, the Upanishads, the Vedas, the Upanishads, Puranas, the Smriti Shastras, the Mahabharata, so many are there. And who has the capacity to extract from there what is important? Taking it that, that it all must be important, otherwise it wouldn't be there. But then there must be some gradation of importance. Just like we hear of the compilation of the various Puranas, six for the mode of ignorance, six for the mode of passion, six for the mode of goodness, and only the Srimad Bhagavat Purana is the Srimad Bhagavatam Pramanamavalam, Amala, spotless, no koitava, not, no ulterior motive taking it in another direction. And just you know, as a sidebar footnote, we're told certain, the Uttara Khanda of the Padma Purana, Sanatana Goswami says in his Briyad Bhagavatamritam Teek, where you will find the highest expression of the Supreme Absolute Truth. Bhagavatam, Uttara Khanda. Interestingly, he includes Garga Sangita there. So it means in portions, the highest thing is expressed there. But what does Srinivasa Charja tell us about the six Goswamis? Nana Shastra Vicharanai Kunipano Saddharma Sangstapako. They're Shastra Nipun. They're expert in all the different scriptures and in extracting what is essential from there. But they are the followers of Mahaprabhu. So then first let us understand who is Mahaprabhu and why <laughs> I mean his position is unique and why he's in the best position to give this assessment. Because it would be enough to say he's Krishna himself. What more would we need to say than that? Right? So when you know, Krishna gives his opinion, from whose breathing the Vedas manifested, as we hear described in Bhagavad Purana and elsewhere. So if he gives you some insight to out of all of these things, in other words, if you could sit down with Krishna himself, presumably Krishna in a higher position, <laughs> and inquire from Krishna, like, of all of this, this, this infinite wisdom and knowledge uh, that you've g- revealed in this world, what is the most essential thing to understand? Taking it, if Krishna himself could answer this question, but then we hear that svabhaktevya sudham nijabhajana mudra mupadishan, Rupa Goswami saying, He's come with his devotees, teaching devotion. 
He's, he himself is showing how to pursue the line. What could be better than that? Not only he's telling, but he's demonstrating by his own divine pastimes, character, personality. And not only that, but he's, as we can say, right, he's teaching devotion from the position of a devotee. That's still a general statement. Then we just say, well, just generic devotee or any specific devotee and generic devotion or any specific type of devotion. Radha Bhava Duti Subalita. Sri Radhaya Pranayamahima Kiddushovanayeva. The type, what has captured his imagination? Aparam Kasyapi Pranayajanavindashukutuki. What aroused his curiosity? The devotion of a particular devotee. And more specifically, Srimati Radharani. So not only if we start you know, age kahoar, diving deeper into what is being expressed. He, the devotee is Srimati Radharani, and the type of devotion is the sort of exclusive devotion that she alone possesses. Or we could say by extension, those in connection with her, who are under her influence, who always accept her suggestion, and at every moment are always and only promoting her. So it's not some generic devotional pursuit that he's descended to distribute to everyone, but Namo Mahavaranaya Krishna Prema Pradayate, Krishnaya Krishna Chaitana Namne Gautasei Namo, Rupa Goswami. Krishna Prem, and not only that, as if that wasn't enough, Krishna Prem of the highest order. And we should recall at this point that when we talk about, you know, Bhagavat Darshan or Gaudiya Darshan, that the Vedas are, are compared uh, Vedic literature and all of its different branches to Kalpa Vriksha, right? A desire tree. So that means there are so many different branches. And if you follow any particular branch, you say, well, well, there's one branch going this way, another branch going that way. But if we conceive of a tree, then we won't see that, that they're, you know, disparate parts, but they're part of an organic whole, right? Just that one branch is going this way, another one's that way, and this one's there, and one's higher, one's lower. It's part of this organic whole. So that will be helpful to us. Otherwise, we will go off on tangents, right? even ontological tangents. So that's one thing to consider. But then it's very beautifully described in the beginning of the Bhagavatam and the Prayojan Tattva Sloka. Because first we hear, Janmadhyasayataha. Chakravarti Thakur is telling us, in the first few words you're being told, like any good book, <laughs> the title may reveal it all. And in the end, you'll know that. You won't know that in the beginning necessarily. Or the opening sentence has everything condensed there. And in time, you'll realize this, when we're talking about, uh, you know, high art or literature, which we understand as a, you know, subjective thing, relative. But just as an example, the better writers. It's in the title, 
It's in the opening sentence, the opening paragraph, and everything will unfold from there. And it, it may, you may not realize that until you reach the end. But we could say someone with great depth of vision can see it from the very beginning. When it will say the line in Bhaktivinoda Thakur Radhastak about all the Vedas declare that Krishna is the property of Radharani and her girlfriends. I mean, and once that's an outrageous statement, <laughs> you know, delightfully, beautifully. And so they're like, <laughs> how can Bhaktivinoda Thakur say that? He said, because he has a view of the whole. So back to the tree with the branches. And when you're looking, you're saying, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, feeling that. I'm not getting that. Yes, because, so, John Madhyasyataha, Chakravarti Thakur saying, who's that expert with the great depth of vision saying, right here in the opening line, you're being told. N- not everything comes from him, but who is he? <laughs> See, it's one thing that everything comes from him. Dandavat, Jai. But who is he from whom everything is coming? Govinda, Anadiradir Govinda, Sarvakarna Karna. And why Govinda? That means it's going to be the full spectral range of sensuality, including the erotic principle. But every aspect, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, feeling, when, as Blake said, when all the, when the doors of perception are cleansed, you'll see the infinite. Right? And all the, and all the sensuous prospect and capacity. So Chakrabarti Tagore saying that from whom everything is coming, he's Rasa Raj. He's the king of Rasa, Krishna. And he's not Rasa Raj without Mahabhav Swarupini Radha Thakurani. As Guru Maharaj says in his, uh, those slokas he composed for the Sloka collection, we mentioned the Gadadhar Pranam, one for Vedavyas, and this one, Yadamiya Mahima Sri Bhagavatam Katayam Pratipatam Anubhutam Apya Labdavideya Tadakila Rasamurti Shamalila Avalambam Madura Rasadi Sri Radha Parapadmam Prapadye. Very beautiful. So, in this magnum opus of Veda Vyas, known as the Bhagavad Purana, the Amala Puranam, Srimad Bhagavatam, Vishwanath is also telling, you know, what is his? Aradya Bhagavan Brajeshatanayas Taddama There's no superior type of worship of Krishna than that invented by Radharani and the Brajagopis. And what is Guru Mar- and what is an allusion to? Madhura Rasa. And here Guru Maharaj calls it Shamalila. As Gurudev once told me, we're taking darshan of the deities in Navadvip, and I had the good fortune to be by his side at different times. And sometimes he might say just a few words. He sees the deities, and some, and you know, I'm just by his side, considering my good fortune. I have no vision, even remotely, to see what he's. But I'm by his side, and I think how fortunate I am. And one time, this is the deities, Guru, Gauranga, Gandharva, Govinda, Sundar, those very deities. And he, look, he goes, heavy Madhura Rasa. <laughs> and I'm <going> like, <laughs> and he told me, he said, black is the color of Madhura Rasa. <laughs> Shamalila Avalambam. And then I remember, oh, Shamalila Avalambam. And we're talking about Achintya Guna when we say black dark. 
It's all dependent upon her. So Chakrabarti Thakur, he has that vision. In the first three words, he sees Madhura Rasa. He sees Radha and Krishna, and that from Madhura Rasa, everything is springing from there. As Guru said, all the other Rasas are clients or satellites and necessary. We should remember that we don't get carried away and saying like, uh, because someone new to understanding these things might be like, well, why would anyone be interested in anything else? That is something innate to the soul. Seva sadaka rupena siddha rupena chatrahi. What that will be, uh, make no assumptions. You can understand this line, the rupa nuga line, but in terms of any particular individual, the verse given, and perhaps Sanatan Shiksha from Mahavru, he's saying, in the Siddha plane, that will come out. Braja Lokanu Sarata, one will be automatically attracted to pursue the line of devotion of a particular servitor. He doesn't say specifically who that will be or what their position there will be. He's saying, just this principle, Braja Lokanu Sarata, that will be there. So there, it's all necessary and beautifully necessary. As Guru Maharaj gave the example of the palate, there must be, you know, the, we start with the bitter, then there's the fried, the pungent, the salty, sours, and, uh, concluding with the sweet. The, it, everything prior to that enhances the introduction of the sweet. They're all necessary. And what would Saraswati Thakur say when he was honoring Prasadam and they'd go, Prabhupada, which deal? And he'd go, each one is better than the other one. <laughs> Very diplomatic answer. But also the truth, it's also Ramananda Sambhad. Jar jay rase hoi se sarvutam. Ramananda Sambhad is flowing in him. He, what did it say there? Each rasa, you think, is better than taste, the best. There's nothing that compares to this. We have to carefully consider that. That's what's being said there. Whichever one you're experiencing, you cannot conceive that there could possibly be anything better than this. Hold that thought. Right? Concentrate on that line. And then it will say, but tatastavichar, but by an impartial analysis, we can observe that Madhura Rasa is the sweetest and includes all of the sentiments that are found and those that precede it. He's saying by an impartial analysis. But the first part is saying, when you're experiencing this, there's no impartial. You're totally satisfied. You can't imagine anything better than that. And it's innate to your soul. Even from the beginning, middle end, Gurma is saying, according to your inner sincere hankering for connection with truth, with the truth, you will necessarily come in connection with a particular level of theistic or, or theism and subsequent association. This is a, like a maxim, an all-encompassing maxim from variegating this of religious systems in the world to up into the very highest plane. According to your inner sincere hankering, this innate aspect, you will necessarily 
come in connection with a particular level of theism and subsequent association. It's like an absolute maxim. And that is from Krishna's side, how he's revealing himself to particular devotees. So Chakravarti Thakur extracting that from line one. Line two telling us, Amala Puranam, Kaitavodar, to enter this plane, there can be no ulterior motive. It cannot be for your purpose. As Guru Maharaj would say, the passport is insufficient. You need a visa. Why are you granted a visa? It's assumed you're applying. You know, it's assumed you want entrance into there. Why are you granted a visa is not based on your personal interests to experience this or that or whatever you might. When that domain sees the value of giving you entrance, when it's in their interest to give you entrance, you're given a visa. So not curiosity seekers or posers, imitationists, etc. But when it's the interest of that plane to give you entrance, what is the nature of that plane? Seva mayoyam loka. It's constructed of serving tendency. Right? Not just consciousness, but consciousness endowed with dedicating tendency, and then again, of the highest capacity. So, in the, in the conclusion of the Kalyana Kalpatru of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he makes this statement about the Namhata of Nityananda Prabhu and calls him Jaruda, means a sweeper. He's saying, so in the Namhata, you know, that marketplace of the holy name of Nityananda Prabhu, the, the humble, you know, he concludes, the humble sweeper, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, you know, it's very beautiful, but also profound. Like, what does the sweeper do? Keeps out the um, impure things. He redirected, course corrected the Sampradaya. But the point I want to make right now is that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he said, if Bhaktivinoda Thakur envisions himself as a sweeper, he said, then my aspiration is to be one of the straws in the broom of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So that's what was beautiful has been made to be more beautiful. But then Guru Maharaj extracts this from that, saying, if we take it that this is a sincere statement, which we do, it's not just being clever, it's heartfelt that he's saying, then it, it is a heartfelt aspiration of Srila Saraswati Thakur. And that type, it's like, I thought of it too, it's like uh, Trinadapi Suni Chena personified, literally to become a strong, you know, humbler than a blade of grass, Trina. So he's saying, if we take it as a sincere expression, and we do, he said, then you can understand the unit of the construction of the Swarup. As I've said many times, the body is the biological expression of the soul's delusion. The swarup is the spiritual form expression of devotion. And Guru Maharaj is saying, and what is it comprised of? Like here, we can talk about what? Quarks, or, you know, if you want to cut to the chase, right? Let's go, quarks. So 
what are the units of construction of the sarup are these dedicating tendencies to navigate the seva mayoyam loka. So not that one is just curious or interested about these things, but whom Yoga Maya and her organization <laughs> have observed the growth, development, and you know, fructification of genuine, dedicating, devotional tendencies, that is the construction of this roop and can be given entrance in that plane. And Guru Maharaj mentioned when Srila Saraswati Thakur is on the Braja Mandal Parikrama and engaged in what he called Ruchi Pariksha, examining the taste of different disciples. So when Srila Guru Maharaj expressed his appreciation for Kadam Kandi, the place of Srila Rupa Goswami, it was noted by Saraswati Thakur, unbeknownst to Guru Maharaj. And then some years later, they're on the Brajamandal Parikrama again, and they're going to Kadam Kandi, and Saraswati Thakur says, your place. And Guru Maharaj is saying, why Guru Maharaj is saying that? Why Prabhupada is saying, oh, he realized, oh, he's examining. And that's for him to do. This isn't for amateurs, the qualified. Saraswati Thakur, the point I want to make, Guru Maharaj is saying, for such exalted souls, they can see the swarup peeping. Anya bilashita shunyam gyanakarma dhyanavratam. When the, the layers, coverings, are gradually dissolving through association and service, then the swarup peeping, ruchi pariksha, he's giving some indication. So, no ulterior motive. So first, everything's coming from this plane, but then, oh, how do you get there? No ulterior motive. It can't be an imposition from the lower upon the higher. That's never pure devotion. That's karma kanda. When we're trying to impose our lower conception upon the higher, what uh, pleases us, like the Nija Boge Goranga, Saraswati Thakur saying the flaw in the Amiyanimai Charit or Lord Goranga book by Shushir Kumar Ghosh is that he's presenting the Goranga uh, that pleases him, not the inverse. So then the third, so that's Sambandha Abhideya Prayojan Tattva Sloka Nigama Kalpataror Galitampalam Shukamukadam Ritadrava Samyatam, Pibata Bhagavatam Rasamalayam, Muhuraho Rasika Bhuvibhavuka. So, this Veda, Kalpatru, with those many branches, the floral essence appears in Vedanta, and that flower gives way to the fruit, what Srila Prabhupada called the fully matured, ripened fruit of Vedic literature. You see, that's within the Bhagavatam. But what is that? Nigama kalpatrogalitam shukamukadam ritradravasamyatam pibata bhagavatam rasamalayam rasa. It's the, the point of Srimad Bhagavatam is the fruit 
like I've mentioned, the mango tree. If you see a mango tree without mangoes on it, you could take it to be something else. If you try and examine the Vedas, the Puranas, whatever is there, without understanding what the fruit it's meant to produce is, you can be misled, distracted, misread. So as the mango tree, there's only one end there. Whatever you may see, and you see a branch going this way and one's going that way and this is going there and the leaves are going like that, but it only has one purpose, is to produce mangoes. So the Veda, Kalpa, Briksha, it only has one purpose. You might think, well, there's this Veda and that Veda and here is that. It only has one purpose, is to produce this fruit, which is Madhura Rasa, which is the subject matter of Srimad Bhagavatam. And you're going to take you there from cantos one through nine as a prerequisite to enter the tenth canto, where Krishna will appear. <laughs> Literally, metaphorically, ontologically, and every way imaginable, born, 10th canto. And then gradually, you know, 28 chapters leading up to the Rasalila, right, so the crown jewel there. Shamalila Avalamba, where we'll find the whole thing. What does Guru Maharaj slowly say? Although her name is not mentioned ostensibly, every step of the way is meant to take us in to one place, the service of her holy lotus feet, Radha Dasyam. When I asked about the Kurma avatar, Prishte Brahmyada Mandara Giri why does this appear in the last chapter of the Bhagavatam, a reference to the Kurma avatar? and the churning of the milk ocean, which is wonderful, but I couldn't understand why it would be included in the last 25, 30 slokas, where you would expect everything to be drawing towards a particular conclusion. And of course it is. Guru Maharaj is explaining, he said, what was the object of their churning? In general, people say, oh, they want Amrita, they want the, the nectar of immortality. That's just generic, off-the-shelf Amrita. In the beginning of the Bhagavatam, he said, Muktir Hadvanyata Rupam Swaropena Vivastiti. That after Mukti, after liberation, there is Swarup, there is form, there is relationship, there's personality, there's loving exchange. He's saying, so from, you know, an Asuric, Suric tug of war to get this nectarine substance, we were saying, really, and remember, Lakshmi Devi comes out, the Chandra, Moon, Chandra Bangsha, and Sri, Goddess. So he's saying, really, what it is is telling us the ultimate nectarine substance is Madhura Rasa as presented in Srimad Bhagavatam. Otherwise, it's just a story, some Puranic legend about the gods and the demons, and they're doing this and that. It has to be on theme. What is the theme of the Bhagavatam? It tells in the very beginning. Nigama kalpataror galitampalam shukamukaram rita amrita. Shukadeva Goswami is not interested in immortality. So it's saying the ultimate nectarine substance is madhura rasa, shamalila avalambam, and it's all dependent upon her. Ananda chinmaya rasa pratibhavitabhis tabiriya eva nijarupataya kalabi. As Krishna has expansions, she has all the Praja Gopis, the 
Mahishi Gun, Queens of Dwaraka, the Lakshmis of Vaikuntha, all come from her. The whole purpose of the Bhagavatam is to deliver Madhura Rasa. That means eroticism. In the spiritual world, there is eros. That's where it comes from. It's not that it's just here for us and up there they're sitting around meditating on nothing or the sound of one hand clapping or some abstract. Really? No. What's the whole thing that's driving the world? In a word, sex. Right? But the most of the people who give up sex, right? So they're honored. In this world where everyone's addicted to sex, they voluntarily give it up. We go, all right, we respect that. But we can't do that. So, and we will never do that. Because there's, there, you don't get to, the monks don't get to do that. Right? But what you're being told here, Yes, in this world, the monks strictly avoid that. But in the, not in the spiritual world. It's the opposite. They are girls and they're playing with Krishna in these ways. So in the Gita, it says, and one of the nutshell slogans is saying, what are the, when the devotees are talking about Krishna, not only do they experience like joy, but also erotic pleasure by having these discussions. And is it the same as the one here we're talking about before? He says, no. Rupa Goswami in the Book of Devotion says, Brahmananda Bhavedesha Chetparada Gunikrita Naiti Bhaktim Sutambode Paramanu Tulamapi. Generally taken, you know, sex is the highest pleasure in the material world. Number one, starting place. But we're told these yogis and they they give up. Then we're told if sex, sex comes in their mind, they're like. Ugh. So we think, what are they experiencing that when they recall sexual pleasure? <coughs> That's what they do. They spit. So they're saying, well, wait then they must be experiencing a pleasure that's greater than that. And not only greater, but the thought of the other one makes them spit. So that's called Brahmananda. Brahma means spirit, Ananda means pleasure. So Brahmananda is that's the pleasure that the yogis and the Buddhas and the Buddhas and, the, and they're all experiencing. And it's so great. They're so happy. They don't care for sex. But Rupa Goswami is saying something very interesting in his book. Because in the Krishna world, there is eros. Right? It's just in this world, it's a polluted and polluting thing. Right? And tamagun. So, he says, Brahmananda bhavedesha chetparada gunikita naiti bhakti sukham bodhe The pleasure of Krishna consciousness is millions of times greater than Brahmananda. So what those great monks and uh, they're all experiencing, he's saying, this, a drop of this is 10 million times greater than the pleasure they're experiencing. So if nothing else, that should awaken the curiosity within the like, Is that really possible? Come on. I mean, that's, that's kind of wild. 
you know, as an advertisement. You say, you know that enjoyment you're having? Yes, we do. Right? This is 10 million times. A drop of this is greater than an ocean of that multiplied 10 million times. You go, well, sign me up for the seminar. <laughs> so the whole, is to take you in connection with that substance. So the book is 18,000 verses. It's said to be like a sun, but a sun with 18,000 rays. So because if we hear about Ratan Krishna and Braja Gopis, they're erotic pastimes, we'll think it's like men and women in this world. And that's very bad, that's very offensive to think like that, because it's not. Remember, they don't have material bodies. They have bodies, but they're not made out of flesh. So how can it be like here? It's not. But it's there. So how are we going to go from here to there? So this is in the 10th out of 12, the 10th volume. Right? So there's, a, in other words, it's like 15,000 verses before you get to this. And what does this start with? What we were just talking about. Krishna is a child. So they're gradually preparing us for that. Slowly, slowly, slowly. So we understand Krishna, he's the original Supreme Personality of Godhead. Everything he does is absolutely good including and everything, including pastimes of arrows, divine love. When Krishna wants to enjoy this way, like a, a, a king, he has many surrounding him. They're called shaktis. Lila shakti, sons of Visha and saying, so he said the yoga maya, just, he gives a look, like, and she's like, all they do is have to look at each other, and she understands. So she's saying, Alright, Krishna wants to dance rasa. So we're gonna need some and with, we need some gopis. We need to play like she set the whole thing up. Have to have a stage, the Jamuna, banks of the Jamuna River, gopis who are qualified to be in this, just selecting. So anyway, the stage is being set, and this is a very simple verse. It says the moon then rose, anointing the face of the eastern horizon. This is poetry. So saying the moon rose in the sky, anointing the face of the eastern horizon with the reddish hues of his comforting rays, thus dispelling the pain of those who watched him rise. So saying the moon is rising, people are like, oh, thank God. Then the moon was like a beloved husband who returns after a long absence from his wife, his beloved wife, with red kumkum. Because the women, they wear red kumkum. They wear here and they wear on their feet in different places. So then here's Vishwanath's explanation, the inconceivably wonderful Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, who wrote the Guruvastakam, among other things. When Krishna became inclined to enjoy under the spell of time and place, at that moment, the moon, finding an opportunity to render service, Krishna's expressed the desire. Now the moon says, I want to be part of it. What can I do? 
Well, you can rise in the sky and provide moonlight. Okay, I'll do that right now. Then, and rose in the eastern direction with its pleasing rays of light. The rising of the moon, who is known as the Udaraja, the king of the stars. The moon, the king of the night. Was another cause for inflaming the passionate desires. Like when do all the romantic stuff happen? In the nighttime, under moonlight. The romantic moon, right? Honeymoon. Guru Maharaj talking about honeymoon. Right? He knew about everything. In addition to being a stimulator of conjugal feelings, the moon also served Krishna and the gopis by illuminating their pleasure pastimes with brilliant light. So this rasa dance that's going to happen, it's all illuminated by moonlight. So the moon is serving by offering its light. When a lover meets his beloved after a long separation, he colors her face with kumkum. Understand, the woman, she's holding a tray with red powder on it. And the man comes, he hasn't seen her in a long time. He touches the kumkum and starts putting on her face, like making her look more beautiful. Then it says, similarly, the moon rising, so the moon colored the face of the western, moon rises in the east, and is coloring the face of the western direction. Right? With the red, so the moon's shining on the west. Then, then he says, the moon removes the discomfort caused by the heat of the sun from all men. But here's the thing, the western direction is a wife who's not the moon's wife. Everything's personified. So the moon rose in the east and shined the red, put the red kumkum on the western direction, who's the wife of Indra, not the moon's wife. So it's telling you that this is going to happen. See how subtly, gradually, just by inference, you're being told that someone who's not the husband of certain wives is going to anoint them with happiness and pleasure. <laughs> That's the first verse, right? But all it said is the moon rose in the sky. So how does Vishwanath Chakravarti know all these things? If he's not in fact a gopi there, only a gopi could have this insight. So he says, the idea, <laughs> the idea of this verse, like Vishnas is saying this with a straight face. The moon god, the very founder of the dynasty in which Krishna appeared, remember the milk ocean? What came out of the ocean? The moon and Lakshmi Devi. And I saw this in uh, Phnom Penh, because they have some of the Angkor Wat stuff. And when I saw Lakshmi Devi rising from the milk ocean, I went, Aha! Because see again, the moon comes out of the milk ocean and Lakshmi Devi comes. And what is it telling you? Amrita, what Guru said, the ultimate nectarine substance is Madhura Rasa and the representative of the moon, who is Krishna, 
And the representative yeah, yeah, yeah. Lakshmi, Maha Lakshmi, Radharani, they're going to have divine pastimes union. That's what it is. It's always about this one thing. But it's, see how carefully, gradually, subtly it's expressed. So he says, the idea of the verse is, the moon god is the founder of the Chandra Bangsha, the moon dynasty. Like in China, don't they talk about sun and moon? And the most ancient leader of the Brahmin community possesses many wives of his own who are all quite fit to be enjoyed. Yet, he is touching the face of the western direction who is another's wife, Indra. The western direction is Indra's wife. So why is the moon putting kumkum on her face? <laughs> but it, all it said was the moon rose, and, you know, and Vishwanath, he's like milk extracting all this nectar. This is his interpretation. And once you hear it, you can't think of anything else. So then he says, by touching her, the moon god is also making her attracted to him. This verse hints that if this is the case with the moon god, the leader of Krishna's dynasty, then certainly there is no fault in Krishna, a descendant of the moon god, and join with the gopis. He's in the Chandra Bangsha, the moon is saying, no problem here, nothing to see here, move along. Then it says, after all, Krishna is a fresh youth intoxicated with the beauty of his human form and he is an unmarried member of the cowherd community. Besides, Krishna is so uniquely enchanting that he excites all women in the universe. Next verse. That's one. That's enough for today. We need to calm down. Kamandatama Prem Nirmala Bhaskar. Calm, lust is like dense darkness, and Prem Nirmal Bhaskar, pure sunshine, dense light, North Pole, South Pole. They're very similar, but North Pole, South Pole, worlds apart. Atmendriya priti ichadari bolikam, Krishnendriya priti ichadari premanam. Self-satisfaction, self-centeredness, egocentricity, calm, lust. Krishnendriya, trying to please the senses of Krishna, prem. Sarvopati vinyamuktam tatparatena nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevanam bhakti ruchite narada pancharatra what is pure devotion anyabhilashitashunyam jnana karmadhyanavartam anukulyena krishnanushilanam bhakti rutama what's pleasing to Krishna so the brajagopis decorate themselves for the pleasure of Krishna they look good for the pleasure of Krishna we try to make ourselves look good to present ourselves to the deity we're going to go for the dark. The deity can see us more than we can see the deity. We have very limited capacity. On the basis of what we heard, we're saying, well, Sadhu Shastra Guru Vaishnava, Krishna's in the deity, we're bowing. And sometimes by the grace of the Lord and His devotees, some thing may appear in your heart. But don't doubt the deity's capacity to see you. 
everything the Braja Gopis do is for the pleasure and satisfaction of Krishna, including offering themselves to Him. And their bodies are not made of mundane substance. Baikuntir Prithivyadi Sakalachinmoy. Even the soil of the spiritual world is made out of chinmoy, spiritually enriched, dedicating consciousness. What to speak of the divine feet of the divine maidens traversing that sacred soil. And of those sages, they're hearing from Sukadev Goswami, speaking of these things, the Parikat Maharaj, and he said, it's one thing. It was radical enough, revolutionary enough for you to tell us that the supreme entity is like a human being. Krishnera jateka kela savartam naralila naravapu taharasvarup gopavesh venukar navakishor natabar naralila hoyanarup. So we told the poet who said, human conception is higher than God. And all the humanists were like, yes. But I didn't realize what he's saying is, you know, there's the general God conception of majesty and infinite magnitude. And same. But the human-like conception of God is higher than that. That's Krishna conception. That's the domain of Krishna conception, is the human-like pastimes. In fact, Gurumar says, Krishna's divine civilization provides the template for human civilization. So those sages say, it's shocking enough for you to suggest we conceive of the supreme entity in human terms. It's beyond what Einstein could conceive. It's beyond what Stephen Hawking can conceive. The ultimate reality, the central conception of the absolute, the golden mean of the infinite is human-like in size and expression. So they said, that is radical enough, but that you're telling us not only is he a man, but he's an immoral man. That's too much. (laughs) Now you've gone too far. So Parikat Maharaj, seeing the shocked look and apprehension on their faces, has to say, in the beginning, you use the word jukupsidam, saying, Narada chastising Vyas. So we're told, what was Vyasa's crime? Delivering religion. And now you're telling us what we should be accepting is what appears to be irreligion. So what Vast did, now I'm saying, this is in a sense irreligious. And I'm saying, what's the real religion? Is the seemingly immoral pastimes of Krishna. That's religion, real religion. And what looks like religion, we're to give up. They're working together, Sukadeva and Parikat Maharaj. And so Sukadeva, he has to speak about the Ishwaras, Shiva and the ocean of poison and different things to remind them. Bikriditam Braja Badu Idam Chabishnu. When he now when he mentions the pastimes he just expressed, he uses the word Vishnu instead of Krishna to remind them who is engaged in these pastimes is God. Sometimes Vishnu just means God. These are not the pastimes of a lusty boy. They're the pastimes of the supreme reality. Mahaprabhu chooses to have his devotees 
express the essence of Krishna consciousness. He's also, when he's talking to Rupa Siksha, Sanatan Shiksha, but he's always shining a spotlight on the devotion of other devotees, which is, again, a key, a core devotional principle, to appreciate the devotion of others. What is the Briyad Bhagavatam Ritam structure in one sense? The Narada, expressing appreciation for one devotee. Who could be more fortunate than you? Oh, me, I'm nothing. You should go to this devotee. Each one being praised, deferring that praise to guru, to higher. Then praise Narada, going there, praising them. They're deferring to higher, always. That's the system. Pratishta is for Gurudev. They keep going higher and higher and higher. So, but one thing we take away from that, and it's mentioned by Rupa Goswami and the uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the hallmark of devotion is to appreciate devotion in others. So Mahaprabhu, that Ramananda Sambad, extracting from Ramananda, Sancharja, Rama, Abhide, Bhakta Meghe, you know, Bhakti Siddhanta, Chayamritani. But another part of Charitamritam, which is very, uh, it's succinct, and beautiful is when he meets Raghupati Upadhyay. And it's in one sense, it is absolutely amazing that in one sloka, he takes you there. In three, everything. But the leap, talking about crossing over, the leap in this one sloka, it's reminiscent of the Vaikuntas Janitobara Madhupuri Tatrapi Rasotva Arupa Goswami and Upadeshamritam Guru Maharaj said, Sanatana Goswami, Briyad Bhagavatamritam, step by step by step by step by step, and that's necessary, is Subhanda Gyana Charja, saying, Rupa Goswami, he leapt from Vaikuntha to Vrinda, you know, in a single bound. Vaikuntaj Janidobara Madhupuri means Vaikuntha over Ayodhya and Dwaraka Mathura Madhupuri. So in this exchange, of Raghupati Upadhyay, Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu, again, think, so here's Krishna enveloped by the heart and halo of Radharani and saying that, all right, tell me, you know your Upadhyay, you know all the scriptures, extract from there. Tell me what you've been able to ascertain is the way or the most important thing we should get from there. And what did he say? Shruti means, remember, Vedas Upanishad. Shrutim apare, shmitim itare, Bharatam means Mahabharata, so he's saying the Shrutis, the Upanishads, the Puranas, etc., including Mahabharata, Bharatam, uh, Anye, Bhajantu Bhavabhita. Bhav, in this sense, means this world, right? The, and saying, fear of this world. Why are we afraid of this world? Pan to someone wearing a mask. <laughs> You understand. Our mortality is being threatened at every moment, knowingly or unknowingly. If the world didn't become something new in the last two months. It's always consistently been the world of mortality. And we don't need to go into more of that, but it's just people became more woke to the concept of like how fragile we are in our existence. And we may not have as much time as we think we do. So maybe we should reconsider life's purpose, ultimate purpose, Shreya Uttamam. So Bhava Bhita means what is the reason most people approach the scriptures? And we remember, we're talking about no ulterior motive. You see, usually it's 
out of fear of material existence. What's the fear? That it will end. And that's anathema or horrifying to the eternal soul to contemplate extinction. That's why we're so afraid of death. We're eternal by nature. The idea that you will stop existing is horrifying. After all is spoken about with Tamsukadev, so Purukit Maharaj, don't think like an animal that you'll die. Animals are like that. Pashubudhi. That's animal intellect. You're better than that. You know it. And of course, he is. Purikit Maharaj, we're told at the beginning of Briyad Bhagavatamritam, he's shutting down, is turning off the senses when Utra comes running and says, Son, I know you just heard the Bhagavatam from Sukadev. Can you share some of this nectar with your mother? He said, oh, You just made it in time. So out of fear, so they're, they're uh, so one famous comedian who was sort of like an avowed atheist. When his friends were surprised to see him reading the Bible in his later days. And they go, Bill, what are you doing? He said, looking for loopholes. Like, I've done so many wrong things. <laughs> I'm looking for loopholes. <laughs> so Raghupati Yubadani is saying, out of fear of what's coming, you know, the soul will become extinct or I will recede in the lower species or what's the, you know, all the different concerns that might be or an end of my happy life here. Therefore, they're looking for loopholes or they're studying, you know, the statements of the Vedas, the, the Puranas, the Upanishads, contemplating, you know, reading Mahabharata, trying to extract it just from there. The Gita is also there and and then, but this is what I mean about the leap. This is really the, uh, the ultimate proverbial leap of faith. Bharatamanye bhajantu bhavabhita ahangiha nandam bande. Very beautiful poetry. Ahangiha nandam bande. Yasyalande parambrahma. He said, so to deal with the anxiety and perplexity and the fear of material existence, they're, they're trying to find out how do you link up with the Param Brahma, the Supreme Spirit. We're, told, we're all you know, spiritual beings, but the Supreme Spirit, the Param Brahma, the Supreme, the Supreme Lord, the Infinite. You know? So is the key there in the Sruti, in the Upanishads, the Smriti, and Mahabharata, and where do we find, how will we do that? And he's saying, but Raghupati Yupadani says, but what I want to know is I see that the, that Param Brahma, whom they all are seeking, he's crawling as a toddler in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj. What astonishing thing is that? So I'm saying to myself, well, what did Nanda Maharaj do? <laughs> like, in other words, that, like, what is that? When you have someone in the palm of your hand, he's saying, He's crawling in his courtyard as a baby. What did he do to achieve that? That's what I'd like to know. So just imagine, he's gone from the Shrutis, like Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Padam Sada Pashanti to Vatsalya Rasa, if you want to be more specific. From there to Vatsalya Rasa, not only Vatsalya Rasa, one step removed. And how perfect is that? And 
it reminds us of the, when Purikat Maharaj is making certain observations. And he says, Nandakim akarod brahmam sreyeva mahodayam yashodava mahabhaga papo yasyastanam hari. He's also saying like, this Nanda Maharaj, Nandakim akarod, what, what did he do to achieve this position? How fortunate, Nandakim akarod, Shreya eva mahodaya, the ultimate expression of good fortune that he's got this situation, that Krishna, you know, he's Nanda Nandan. And then he says, Yashodava Mahabhaga. And if we can conceive of it, if Krishna's crawling in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj is indicative of this inconceivably good fortune of his, what sort of hankering does he have that brought this about? Right? What's his loyam? Then Yashoda, that Param Brahma crawling there, is crawling on her, her to her lap and sucking her breast milk. Yashoda Bhamahabhaga Papo Yasyastanamhari. So just see again another connecting thread. Sukadeva Parikat, Raghupati Upadai. But Raghupati Upadai, I mean, remember, to get to that part, nine cantos prerequisite. Now, now understand something about the teachings of Mahaprabhu. Raghupati Upadai is taking you there in half a sloka, in a sloka. What the Bhagavatam took nine cantos into the tenth to bring you to this point. That's his starting point. This is Mahaprabhu, like Guru said. It's the elevator that goes from the lowest position, shoots up to the highest, to the top part, the top of the structure. So Mahaprabhu is like, Age, you know, go, dive deep and go deeper. This is great anymore, you know. And that's when he says that verse Gurudev loved so much, presented at the inauguration of the Iskan Chandradoya Mandir. Oh, Prabhu, who can I tell who would believe me? You say more. There is more to say, but would anyone believe it? And is there anyone qualified to receive it? Right, so he's going very deep. That one sloka all the way from the Shrutis into Vatsalya Rasa, now we could expect where it would go next. And he's saying, that Param Brahma, who we mentioned before, well, when he grows up, well, first he's toddler with Nandiyasa, then he has pastimes as a boy with his cowherd boyfriends. But then when he's a teenager, his pastimes with, the, he's, who will believe this? And, and who, is there anyone who is like, is, qualified to hear something like this without misconceiving. That Param Brahma, he's hunting the gopi girls, Radharani and her brother gopis in the Kunja of Vrindavan, Gopaya Kunja, Gopa Viduti, Bitang Brahma. Then Gurumar's mentioned, he said, but, and apparently wrote this for an article on Sri Gaudiamat, he said that, yes, there's no one qualified to hear it. No one will believe it. But the descent of Mahaprabhu is the magnanimous distribution of this divine substance. He will qualify people to believe it and receive it, to receive it and believe it. So then, 
Mahaprabhu says, all right, now he's captured. Saying, so then, just tell me this. Again, on the what you've been able to extract, you know all the scriptures and everything that is of value there. What is the supreme form of the Lord, the supreme abode, the supreme age, and the ultimate rasa? So think about and and I just to stop for a moment. So this is Krishna, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, enveloped by the heart and halo of Radharani. These are the things he wants to know. This is what he thinks is important. Should we look elsewhere? Right? Should we make an independent study of what we can discern should be the, uh, the topics of consideration? Really? This is Krishna himself as Mahaprabhu, enveloped in the devotion, the heart and mood of Radharani. These are the things he wants to know. These are the things he wants to give emphasis to. So what is the supreme form? I know many things are described, but tell, you tell me, what is the supreme form, the supreme abode, the supreme age, and the supreme rasa? This I want to know. And then he says, Shamayeva param rupam puri marupuri bara kaishoram kam deyam adyo rasa paro rasa. Shamayeva param rupam Yang Shama Sundaram Achintaguna Swarupam. Shama Sundar Krishna. His Achintaguna Swarup. Kandarpa Koti Kamani Abhishesha Shoba. More beautiful than 10 million cupids condensed into one. Puri Marupuri Bara. Marupuri means Matura. But interesting, there's also Madhu Puri. The land of what? Of sweet. What kind of sweetness? That's a general, you know, sweetness. What is sweetness? Madura. Madura rasa. You say, well, I thought that, you know, means Matra, Vrindavan, Govardhan, Radhakunda. Kishore. Kishore. Right? That Navayovana, Krishna. Adyam Purana Purusham Navayovanam Cha. Although he's the oldest of all, don't have some ridiculous stereotype about that because he's the oldest, he's an old, very old man, you know, with a long beard because he's the oldest person. Please. Adyam Purana Purusham. Yeah, he's the original person, the oldest. And what? Navayovanamta. Eternally beautiful, youthful, like a teenage boy. An inconceivably beautiful teenage boy. An Adi Rasa. Back to Vishwanath. Janmadhyasya Yataha. Everything is springing from that plane. The original, the supreme Rasa of all Rasas is Madhura Rasa. And that's the subject matter of the Srimad Bhagavatam to take, as his Guru said, from the plane of ontology to the domain of Rasa. And that is what is being distributed by Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and is the really the basis of the modern-day Krishna consciousness movement. This is what is meant to be distributed. But to achieve some appreciation for that, or as, if you will, hankering, hunger, for that, you have to come in connection with someone who has genuine appreciation for that. Saru Sangha, Saru Sangha, Sarva Shastakoi, Lava Matra, Saru Sangha, Sarva Siddhi Hoi. A moment's association 
with such a person can awaken this tendency. And what does that association mean? Service. Mahat sevan dwaram ahur vimukte. For association to be meaningful, there has to be service. And service has to be without ulterior motive. Just for the pleasure who is being served. And the remuneration is the sort of devotional hankering, hunger, appreciation in the heart of that divine servitor is transferred to the aspiring servitor. Hare Krishna. Jai Om Vishnupad Paramahansa Pariprajaka Kacharja Asatara Satashri Shrimad Shilabhakti Sundar Govinda Dev Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai Jai Om Vishnupad Shilabhakti Rakak Shridhar Dev Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai Bhagavan Shilabhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Ki Jai Jai Saparikar Shri Sri Guru Gauranga Gandharva Govinda Sundar Jiu Ki Jai Shikiri Raj Govardhan Ki Jai Shri Rupanuga Guru Varga Ki Jai Nama Charja Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gaurabhaktra Vrinda Ki Jai Shri Sri Radha Krishna Gopagopinath Shyamakunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai Vrindavan Dham Ki Jai Navadip Dham Ki Jai Shri Chaitanya Saraswat Mat Ki Jai Shri Gupta Govardhan Ki Jai Ganga Devi Jamuna Devi Bhakti Devi Tosi Devi Ki Jai Om Vishnupad Vishbhavaranya Sri Laisi Bhakti Vedanta Shami Prabhupada Ki Jai